Welcome into the Lion's Lair. My name is Noah Reif, and I am joined today by Penn State beat reporter John Sauber. John, how are you doing? I am doing excellent, which I think it's a rarity that I say that yeah. on here. No, <laughs> last week you were happy to. Uh, that's, that's true. I think it was off of a, a Sixers win, probably which... why, if we're being honest. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, it's, it's been good. Uh, it's been a while since I've been to a live event to cover. I kind of miss that quite a bit, but we'll have a bunch next week, so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, that's that's how it goes. You know, had that uh, that that game that I want to keep saying is Northwestern, but, but it was is actually Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota men's basketball was canceled. I was also supposed to be there, but is there? I, we're going to jump into to basketball here, but I do actually have a question related to that. Is there any? thoughts on rescheduling that game or anything like that. I just think that would be something that people would be interested in hearing about. Yeah. Uh, Mark Brennan from lines 24 seven asked uh, Mike Shrewsbury this at last week's press conference or this week's press conference. Yeah. That was Monday days. Don't, I don't know days anymore. Yeah. This week's been um, long. Yeah, it really has. It's only Thursday. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, they're just sort of waiting right to hear from the big den on when they want to reschedule that for, I think you have to reschedule it. And it's totally unfair to not reschedule it for Penn State because, frankly, that's a win, right? Like, they should beat Minnesota. And if they lose that game, they lose out on a potential win, which could, you know, impact the the, the resume for the NIT potentially, which is a different conversation because that's the level of postseason they're potentially looking at now. Um, oh, how things can change in a week. Um, but it's also inhibiting them from scheduling non-conference games that are uh, – I don't know, wins, right? Like you can you can schedule some Patriot League teams, some local teams, get Delaware State to bus up to State College in the middle of the week and and get a win against a team like that. Uh, but they can't because they're just sort of waiting. They're they're waiting for the Big Ten to reschedule that game. And so they don't they don't want to schedule uh, one of those games for a week when the Big Ten might want to schedule Minnesota, so they're just kind of stuck, which is is really unfortunate and and not helpful for a team that now looks like it's going to need to pad its resume a little bit. And I, I would I would guesstimate that they probably lost, you know, two wins from those non-conference games at least, and that could end up hurting them in the long run. But but we'll see how that ends up uh, shaking out. So moving on to yesterday, last night, uh, Penn State played Indiana at Indiana. Well, played sort of. Penn State showed up Penn State to a game against court. Indiana. Uh, which I can only describe showed as... Showed up is even a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this was, it was bad. It right? was bad. It was really bad. Uh, Penn State trailed 46 to 17 at halftime, I think. It was something like that. And and I, I laugh because, like, it just happens in it sports does. sometimes. It happens in basketball especially and even, like, you know, baseball and, and sports that, that you play a lot, like when there are, you know, not daily games but twice a week or whatever. It's bound to happen more than the sport like football where you only play like 12 times. Uh, but yeah, they, I mean, they just couldn't hit a shot. They couldn't find an open shot. Uh, and Indiana made everything. <laughs> like They made their first six threes. They were 10 of 13 from three in the game, which to be blunt, that's not a good shooting team. Like the shots they gave up, you're fine with Xavier Johnson shooting those. Uh, you were fine with Race Thompson shooting those. And like sometimes they just go in and it, it sucks when you're on the wrong end of it, but there's not a ton you can do schematically. Like there was nothing wrong with the way they defended Indiana. Uh, those those shots don't fall. It's a completely different game. They ended up losing. I think it was seventy four to fifty seven was the final. But I mean, who was really counting after like the first like twenty minutes of the game? Um, but yeah, I like it is one of those games where I wonder if and we haven't talked to Micah Shrewsbury yet. Uh, you know that we won't have an availability with him until after the Iowa game on Monday, and we'll talk to him again midweek next week at some point. Uh, but 
I, I wonder if that's one of those games where you just throw out the tape and just be like, forget that that happened because they were better in the second half. They, the effort, I don't think, was ever really an issue. They were always trying. Um, they got frustrated early, and I don't really blame them. <laughs> like, again, those guys just don't make those shots, and and they did, and, and, and that happens sometimes. And, you know, offensively, Penn State, like, credit to Indiana, they were defending really well. They just couldn't find any openings. Uh, the uh, – how do I want to say this? I don't, I don't like Big Ten officiating as it is, right? It feels like they allow too much contact. It feels less like basketball and more like a contact sport, and that's not what the sport is, right? Like it's, you know, I, I much prefer freedom of movement, guys being able to operate and play how, uh, play in space, things like that, not just being able to be sort of a brute and bully people around. Um, I think physicality has its place in the sport. I think John Hare is a good example of like what I would consider legal in the scope of basketball physicality. Uh, you know, with box outs and always putting a body on someone and, you know, going up uh, for rebounds, diving on the floor for loose balls. But, like, when when guys are sort of in your jersey defensively and, like, they have their hands all over you, it's like, that's not that's not the sport. And, like, the Big Ten, this isn't a, a, an indictment of the officiating last night. It's it's a Big Ten issue at the whole end. We could, honestly, this would be a four-hour podcast if you let me keep going on this long enough. But, like, the, the Big Ten just sort of needs to tamp it down. And, and I will say... Uh, so as you know, and I think as our listeners know, I covered recruiting for rivals, uh, for eight months. I covered Indiana university recruiting and you talked to recruits and the big 10 playing in the big 10 was an issue, right? There were at least three recruits that ended up, may not have ended up like this may not have been the final decision maker, but the style of playing the big 10 and the officiating was a factor in their recruitment. And that's damning, right? Like if you're if you if the way your conference is officiated is affecting your ability to get talent, it's not a good thing. Like it, it should never have an impact. Uh, but yeah, and last night I don't think it was any different from any other Big Ten game. Uh, to be clear, like I think officiating helped Penn State in the Penn State Rutgers game, right? Like guys were allowed to get physical with Ron Harper Jr. and it threw him off. Um, and I think it tends to even out. I just think like it leads to a style of basketball that is, I mean, it's gritty and people like that it's so physical and stuff, but it's just not. It's not the same sport that a lot of other conferences are playing. It's less true now. There are a lot more uh, teams that, like Purdue's a good example of a team that plays modern basketball and plays it really, really well, right? Like they still have a big out on the court, but they rarely have two bigs out there. They're rare, like their bigs are generally not beating you with physicality. They're beating you with skill. Um, and I think that's a better way to build a roster anyways. It seems to be how Micah Shrewsbury is trying to build one at Penn State. But the, the officiating, it was one of those situations. Indiana's at home. You know, the whistle's always a little bit in their favor uh, when they're at home. Just Most teams in the Big Ten, it's in their favor. That's why it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten, right? Uh, refs will sort of swallow their, their whistles a little bit um, for the home team. And again, I, w- I want to be very clear. I'm not saying, like, Penn State was, like, screwed over by refs or anything like that. Like, But the way Indiana defended and their game plan was excellent because they got in the jerseys of Penn State. They made it difficult for them to, to sort of handle the ball and to find passing lanes. And frankly, this isn't a Penn State team that has many primary ball handlers, right? Like, it's got Jalen Pickett and Sam Sessoms, who I would trust to sort of go get you a bucket and go get you an open look. Past that, there's not a ton of guys that can handle the ball. Um, there's some secondary creation, I think, like with Seth Lundy. Um, I think you can rely on Greg Lee a little bit for that, maybe a little bit of Jaheim Cornwall. And and Dallin Johnson, too, I think will eventually get to that point. But, like, right now they have two guys that can handle the ball, and you trust them. And I think that's why we've seen them struggle against the press, too. And so... You know, you're you're looking at a situation where you can't really get into your offense because the defense is a little more physical than you would like at the point of attack and on the perimeter. 
uh, and you don't have a ton of good shooters to make the pay for it. You don't have a, you know, a, a big wing creator to like when they come out and get physical to play behind it and play four on four. Um, you know, they, the roster is not where it needs to be yet. And I think last night was really, it made it abundantly clear that it's not. Um, and it looked like a team that knew what it wanted to do that tried to execute it and just didn't have the athleticism, didn't have the ball handling, uh, didn't have the kind of versatility that I think most teams aspire to have to create against a defense that was playing that well uh, and to play against a defense that was willing to be physical, that was willing to jump passing lanes, and that was willing to make life difficult and put the effort in. And credit to Indiana because that's exhausting to play defense like that, to play on the ball especially with someone staying in front of them, staying around them, um, and to do it off the ball too. They stayed glued to their guys when they had the ball, like, and they were helping off of, off of, uh, you know, wings when they were driving and they were, they would dig down from the perimeter. It's just like a whirlwind of events that ended with a blowout loss that, you know, they happen and I'm not excusing it like that. You, you don't want to lose, you don't want to go into the half down 30. Right. But, um, I think that was probably evidence of where Penn state really is at from a talent level. Uh, and it was the kind of situation where coaching can't elevate them above a certain point that they need to get above to win a game like that or to compete in a game like that. Um, you know, they there are adjustments that could have been made, but I don't know if there was anything that would have ever changed the result. Um, credit to Penn State, though, for, for not quitting because I'd probably quit down 29 at halftime. I mean, they honest. started to creep back there at the end. Too. Yeah, it, it got a little frisky, right? There, there was like a second where you're like, well, maybe. And then, yeah. I mean, it became clear that it was still too much and it was going to be too little too late. You. It really is. Uh, but yeah, they. I mean, they're just, Indiana's a really talented team, even if it doesn't have a ton of shooting. It does have a lot of ball handling and a lot of creation, um, a lot of athleticism, uh, kind of like the, the LSU team that Penn State faced down at the Emerald Coast Classic when they kept it close. Uh, this time, like Indiana just started making shots. Once Indiana starts making shots, they're going to win a lot of basketball games. That is a, like I said, a, a, a fast athletic team with Trace Jackson Davis and who had some ridiculous dunks last night. Uh, some ridiculous blocks is, is awesome. Like it's just really, really good. Uh, and you know, has a chance to be, I, I think a solid role player in the NBA and like Penn state doesn't have any guys like that on the roster right now. And so we'll see, you know, what the, uh, what the future holds, but I think, you know, if it served as anything last night, it might have served as a reality check as to where this roster is, where the program is. There was some excitement after that Rutgers win. Got caught up a little bit in it, you know. <laughs> start talking about the NCAA tournament because when people around it start talking about, you know, uh, the 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 upside and sort of where it's at, and you know, sometimes uh, that reality check can hit you hard. And I'm sure that in the building they're staying steady and they they sort of know that they're on the right course. But I think from an outside perspective, it can sort of like it allows you to check yourself. And I think at the end of the day, uh, for those of us evaluating it and analyzing it, right. Can, it, it seems more clear now that this is a probable, the ceiling is the NIT for this team. And again, there's very much nothing wrong with that, but I think that the just lack of talent is going to be prohibitive here. Um, and I don't know, like I said, that there was anything done schematically last night that, that, that I would have done differently or that I could immediately call out. Like I said, the way they're defending, some people would argue like, oh, you got to get out on, out on those shooters. If Xavier Johnson was going to shoot a 4-3, I'd have still let him shoot it. Like he just – and sometimes he may, he's really good. Xavier Johnson's good. He was good at Pitt. Sometimes those guys are going to make those shots because they're good players and, and, you know, they get going and get in a rhythm. But uh, there, there's not a ton you can do, right? It's the right thing to do to, to leave a guy like that who's not really a good shooter with a good shot open and not let him drive by you and get to the rim. And he just beat him from the perimeter last night. That's not going to happen a ton. 
And I think, you know, something that we need to to kind of note too, yeah, it may be a shocking loss to some people, but we I mean, they were hitting every shot that they took. Indiana was hitting every single shot. They were pulling up from, the, from the logo. <laughs> they were they were like, you know what, one foot out of bounds, one foot hovering in space, like scissor kick dunks. I mean, it was just that, one of those that nights. Dunk, I do want to like that Trace Jackson Davis dunk. Uh, you and I watched the game together. Yeah. Uh, I had like I, I don't react when I watch these games, right? I'm not a fan of either of these teams. I yeah. I covered them both, so I know people on on both sides of it, and it's it's you know it makes it a cool matchup. But like I had a a a, uh, a, a visceral reaction to that dunk that he I was usually removed dunk. from his chair, yeah, which I, doesn't I, happen often. No, if you know like, John. Yeah, if, if I'm watching the city, <laughs> I know that's true. <laughs> but it only really happens when watching like the Sixers and Eagles and like. But when that happened, oh man, that was a that was a nasty dunk. We had to rewind. We yes, had to watch it a few yeah, times. I, I, so, yeah, I did yeah. rewind to rewatch. It was uh, because somebody was looking down at his phone, but it's all right. Listen, the tweet had to go off. That's you fair. know, That's it, fair. it had to happen. We all see the tweets. Don't yeah. you worry. Uh, moving on from that game, which I think Penn State would also like to do, uh, looking forward <laughs> to Iowa. This Iowa game is make or break, I would say, for the ceiling that you're talking about um, of yeah. the NIT. I don't know if it's make or break for the NIT. It's like if they have any hope of making the NCAA tournament, like they have to win this game. But got like, it. It's it it's important for the NIT. Right. They got to hold serve at home. Like that's going to be so important for them. They got to win uh, pretty much every conference home game they can. They've already got two conference home losses to Ohio State and Purdue, which um, with two incredible teams. Yeah, two again. Purdue's one of my favorite teams in the country to watch. I could gush about them for days. Uh, is those I think a lot of people listening to, like I'm a big NBA fan and that's some like high quality basketball from Purdue the, the stuff they run is awesome um, but yeah I, I you know they've got to sort of make up for those two losses by getting two road ones to beat Northwestern which is a good start got to find another one you know got to got to go to Rutgers and win you know got to got to go somewhere and win one on, win one on the road and then hold serve at home again um, which starts with Iowa and if you lose that game at Iowa then you're gonna find another road one to win and it can snowball a little bit on you um, but and then I you think, hope that you can schedule those yeah and then you gotta schedule the schedule non-conference games Bucknell or someone you know because I was I was talking to to David Eckert of Blue White Illustrated the other day we were talking about this like the NIT changed the rule so you don't have to be above 500 to get in but they also haven't taken a team above 500 so like it might not be a rule anymore but it kind of seems like it might be a rule still um, or at least they would prefer not to take a team below 500. So I, I think Penn State's got to get to 500 or above it to have a chance at the NIT. And, you know, a postseason in Mike Shrewsbury's first year is a win. Like, they didn't make the postseason last year. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't make the postseason most years in the last 10 years. So uh, I, I think that would be a win. Uh, I just, you know, there there's a chance that this does snowball in a downhill direction. But there will be opportunities soon to make up for it. Uh, the problem is some of the other teams in their tier in the conference are like Michigan, who is way more talented. Michigan should not be as bad as they are. Caleb Houston is very, very good. Hunter Dickinson is a, a good college center. Uh, they also got bailed out last night. They did get bailed out. You and I watched the end of that game waiting for the Penn State game to start. Yeah. They, Northwestern probably should have won that game or at least sent it to overtime. Um, but they, they are really talented, and I think Jawan Howard's a good coach. Uh, it's just a matter of them putting it all together. Um, I I mean, we'll see what that looks like. I think that's the February 8th game. Um, but we will uh, – it, it might be a, a, a pretty important game for the postseason hopes, especially if they can't catch this win against Iowa, which they very well could do. You know, it, it's always hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. This is a road game for Iowa. Uh, Keegan Murray will be the best player on the court, as he will be most times this year. 
you could argue it when he faces maybe Purdue with Jaden Ivey and maybe Wisconsin with Johnny Davis, but like he's really good and they did a pretty good job against him and Iowa still won. So they got to figure something out uh, and maybe figuring that something out is just making more open shots. I mean, and it'll probably be a, a relief for this Penn State team to finally play at home after, is it four road games in a row or three? three? in a row. But it, it will have been 20 days since yeah. the last home game. It, the last home game, I believe, was, I think it was the 11th against uh, against Rutgers. Whatever day that was, it was a Tuesday, I remember. Um, yeah, it was the 11th. Uh, they, they played Rutgers on a Tuesday, and this next home game is the 31st. And, and like, they don't have any home games on the weekend left. <laughs> Their home games on the weekend were Ohio State when students weren't here, uh, Purdue when students weren't here on a Saturday, and Indiana when students weren't here on a Sunday when I wasn't here. <laughs> like I was I was stuck trying to get back from Tampa, Florida, um, driving home from the Dallas the, the Dallas airport after flight cancellations and whatnot. So like, you know, it's they haven't exactly had great luck with the Big Ten schedule this year and when games are and having a good crowd to to back them. So we'll see. If students start showing up, this is gonna be a, a real opportunity on Monday night. Uh, it's a Pretty big game season-wise. It may not look like it from the outside, but it's a big game for Penn State, one that they a win could would do wonders, especially when you lose three games in a row. Beating a good Iowa team that's one of the teams you lost to to rectify that I think would salvage some of it and, and make it uh, sort of take some of the bad taste out of their mouth and get them on the right track. But, yeah, it's, you know, the – it's the ebbs and flows of the season, right? There are times where you look like a tourney team. When you're, when you're well-coached and don't have a ton of talent – there are times you look like a tourney team. There are times you look like you should lose every game by 40. Um, and Penn State hasn't been blown out like this all year outside of the game against UMass. And, you know, players were sick. That was when the, the illness was going around campus. If you remember, that was, I think, maybe a week before Penn State football played Rutgers and everyone seemingly missed with uh, with whatever illness it was. And we, we lovingly call that the PS flu. Yes, the PS flu. Uh I, um, that affected them against UMass, you know, and they, they didn't seem like themselves. That doesn't excuse the loss. They should win that game still. Um, they are better than UMass. Um, and so, but now two blowout losses on the resume this year, one against an Indiana team that should make the tournament and another against a, a bad UMass team. But, you know, uh, a chance to, to sort of rebound, a chance to play better. They came after that game against UMass and, and rebounded and played well um, in their following games. Now they got to do the same this time around. And I'm not one to compare really coaches and like situations, but if we look at last season and we look at this season, getting quote unquote blown out twice, I think is looking okay at this point. It's still looking like an incredible positive directional movement. If if you look at the players they lost from last year's roster, uh, man, <laughs> you and I talked about this last night. Isaiah Brockington would oh be so helpful geez. on this team. He's been fantastic in Iowa State. They're getting him to shoot more from deep, which was, I mean, I don't know if it was they didn't tell him to do it. I don't know if it was a choice that he didn't want to do it, but he took way too many long twos last year, not enough threes. Um, He's taking more threes for Iowa State, and he's hitting them. He's hitting a lot of important shots. He's such a ridiculous athlete. He looks like a leader Um, on that team, too. Yeah, yeah, he's been important. He's he's a great kid, too. I enjoyed every interaction I had with him. Um, it, It seems, you know, there was a lot that went on there. Right, sort of leave it at that. But like, it seems like Penn State could really use him. Uh, Myron Jones, uh, another guy, goes to Florida, is having a decent bit of success there. Excellent shooter. Some again, another ball handler though that Penn State could use. Um, you know, those two are the the ones that stand out, right? Like those are the two primary ball handlers they could use. Even Jamari Wheeler to some extent, although I don't know that there was ever any 
Like I think he was probably leaving no matter what. Um, but I, I – and honestly, the same is probably true with Myron Jones as well. Um, but I, I do think like this was th- – there are guys that left that it's like, man, <laughs> like if you just had one of them, it would help the team so much. And, you know, they, they bring in Jalen Pickett who has helped with that somewhat. Uh, they bring in Cornwall who can help from a secondary standpoint, but there's just not enough there. And it's really hard to get those guys, right? Like it's hard to have, you know – skilled wings that can dribble uh it is it is not a uh an abundant skill set in college basketball and when you get some of them you gotta you gotta really take advantage Penn State had it in the past with Lamar Stevens they took advantage um they don't have as many now and and it's kind of showing uh and they want to run an offense that is perimeter based that is skill based guys who can pass guys who can cut guys who can sort of you know read and react to what's going on around them rather than sort of you know, just stalling out and running set plays all the time. You want to have ATOs, like after timeout plays, you want to be able to draw those up and everything, but you want to be able to have a reactionary offense that can play as it needs to. And you can see it's there. You, you can also see that sometimes guys just, you know, guy can't come off a screen quick enough. He can't get a shot up off the screen. He can't get around, uh, you know, if he, a ball handler, he can't, you know, beat his guy to a spot. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things there, but there are, that's not to say there aren't good players on this team. There are, they're very much good players on this team. Um, there just probably aren't. Enough of them, as you can tell by the team going so, so sort of short off the bench um, so frequently. And, and, and you know, uh, that'll make a team prone to stall out games like last night offensively. Uh, but, yeah, I do think that when you look regime to regime, like it's hard to win in your first year if you're not going to take uh, – if you're not going to go ex- exclusively portal heavy. And, and Micah Shrewsbury did go portal heavy. Um, but I don't think they went as heavy as some teams. Like like at Cleveland State, they did it last year with Dennis Gates, and they made the NCAA tournament, and they were really good at sort of hitting on all those guys in the portal. you got to be able to hit on all those guys, though, to do it that quickly. And to do it in the Big Ten is even harder when, uh, you know, uh, Gates was doing it, I, I believe, in the, the Horizon League. Correct me if I'm wrong there on, on where Cleveland State plays. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think it's a, it's a hard transition to make. It's hard to take this leap this quickly, and I think – Making the NIT would be would be a big win for this uh, for this coaching staff and this uh, for for everyone in that building moving forward. But I know how badly they all want to make the NCAA tournament for John Hara. I just it just doesn't seem like it's going to be in the cards at this point, unless like barring a turnaround. That being said, based on how everything I've said has gone thus far, I'm sure they will win their next like six games and then make me look like an idiot. So yeah, they're going to schedule Gonzaga and go on and win on the road or something crazy. You know, that's not going to happen by the way. Uh, no, it will not. Cause Gonzaga is so good. <laughs> you want to talk about a basketball team that I appointment watching. Yeah. Every time Gonzaga plays 11 o'clock at night, I'm glued to as the, a, I'm glued I, to the chair as I tend to be. Uh, but specifically for Gonzaga, I will find the channel and I will watch it as a proud Washingtonian. Washingtonian, Washington, whatever. Washingtonian. As as a proud person from Washington State, <laughs> love to see Gonzaga doing very doing good. well. Chet Holmgren, very good. Rasier Bolton, former Nittany line on that team, playing yeah. and playing well. Oh yeah, and I remember people were saying, "Oh, he's tra- you know, he's yeah. transferring out." Yeah. You know, yeah, can't some, even can't even last at Iowa. Can't State. even last at Iowa State. Yeah, sure. Rasier Bolton's good, man. So Rasier is Andrew Damhart. So is Chet Holmgren. So is Hunter Salas. So is uh, I mean. Uh, the 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 list is endless. <laughs> They're just really really good. Yeah. Well, you could say. Didn't even mention Drew, Drew Timmy, by the way, who was literally the best player. On the team. Yeah. You you know you could say that this this Penn State team is on a climb. They're climbing. They're climbing to that Gonzaga State. And and speaking of climbing, I think we know a former coach that may have enjoyed climbing. Yeah. Uh, 
I've seen some commentary around different different people, different takes about that 2019-2020 season, how, you know, obviously for those for those of you who don't know, the NCAA tournament was canceled. The Nittany Lions most likely they would have been in the tournament. Would have been in the tournament. I, I do think the So I, I think there is some I don't want to call it revisionist history. I think there are is some convenient forgetting of how that season started to end. It wasn't going well at the end. They lost to Northwestern on the road in their last game. And yes, as I said, Big Ten road wins are tough. But they they were a top 10 team at one point. They were a clear top 25 team, and Northwestern was not good. And they lost that game. Like, there is, there is very much a world where they go into the Big Ten tournament because they would have played, I believe Indiana beat Nebraska, and Indiana would have played in the next game. Trace Jackson Davis was there. That was his freshman year, and he was still very good then too. But there's a world where Indiana wins that game, and then Penn State's suddenly like a, an eight seed. Like it's you know what I mean. Like this is, and for Penn State that would still be enormous, right? To make the NCAA tournament to be an eight seed, but for a team that looked like it had a chance to be a three or a four at one point in the season, it was about to fall to an eight or a nine. Um, again, that being said, those players were excellent. A lot of them were really really good to deal with. A lot of them, some of them, still there. You know, and Lamar Stevens is, I mean, for my money, the best player in Penn State history, uh, you know, and is an, a legitimate NBA player, by the by the way, right now, by changing his role and changing the way he plays. He went from an isolation scorer who didn't do a ton defensively to a guy who hustles and tries really hard defensively and shoots from the perimeter but doesn't dribble a ton, just attacks closeouts when he has to. Like, he made the evolution. Uh, you know, uh, there, you know, I talked with him over the summer. There's a story on com you could find about that. But he... You know, he was the, the the central focus of that team and for good reason. Um, but I think a lot of the talk about, like, I don't know. You see stuff about, like, hanging a banner to commemorate the well, team. Well, yeah, like that's, that, that was did. what I was going to ask was, you know, I've seen a lot of talk mostly after Florida, <laughs> Florida State, State uh, hung a, a banner got roasted. and got, you know, Clowned online, Listen, roasted. I can't remember the exact Indianapolis Colts banner, but I believe they ha- have a banner that says something along the lines of AFC Championship Game Participant. <laughs> like yeah, for one yeah, like, yes, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. Like, what are we doing? I think I think that there is this this amongst I would say Penn State fans. I think less among the pundit class of this thought that like this was the pinnacle of Penn State men's basketball. And Might this have is, been. And this is like, this is a crown jewel that we should celebrate. And, you know, I don't, I don't know who would want, honestly, maybe it would be a Penn State thing to hang something up like that because, you know, <laughs> we've participated in every Super Bowl and had a player yeah. participate in every Super Bowl, <laughs> except, except for, for the five. ones, yeah, except for the ones we haven't, you yeah. know, um, but I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on like, is that like, is that team, I mean, you, you've said there is a little bit of a revisionist history when it comes to like the end of that season, but like if you were to honor that team or if you were to celebrate that team or should they be celebrated, what, what could be something that they could do? Or I don't know. I just want to hear your thoughts on this because I've seen the talk and it seems a little bit ridiculous. Like maybe eventually Lamar Stevens number will get retired. Well, that's it. And that's, that's yeah. what I was going to say. That is the way to remember that team. The way to commemorate that team is one put their faces all over the bit like Tim Frazier's faces everywhere. Jesse are now all those guys like faces are everywhere all over BJC continue to do that. Do that for all the guys that deserved it. Um, John Hera, John, honestly, John Hera is going to be like, they should rename it the John Hera <laughs> center. <laughs> he, his name will be a part of the lore. I think for Penn state basketball for a long time Yeah, um, because of what he embodied and 
you know, who he is, uh, uh, you know, as a person. Uh, but I think the best way to commemorate it is to commemorate the guy who got you there, the guy who took you to that number nine ranking. And it wasn't a coach. It was Lamar Stevens, right? He's the best Penn State basketball player of all time. Retire number 11, you know, and, and let that be it, right? Like you don't need to, you don't need to hang a banner that says number nine team in the AP pool for a week. Like, I don't, like you don't need a banner for all that stuff. Hang a banner for, because if you want the program to be a consistent tourney team in the future, save that stuff for when they start making the tourney consistently. And I think eventually they will, right? Like, I think they got a good coaching staff in place now. Like, we'll see how long everything lasts and how it turns out. But you would think at least one NCAA tournament appearance will be in the cards if they continue on this trajectory. Um, now, that remains to be seen. Uh, progression is not linear, right? They might be worse next year, even with better players, because they'll be younger. Um, but I do think that they they would be sort of wasting their times and it'd be like a willfulness to like get yourself made fun of over something that isn't worth it. Right. Like remember the best player in Penn state history on that team. And like, if you want to include in his resume, when you retire his number that he would have made the tournament, but never had the chance. Sure. Whatever. Or barely missed out on the points. Is it the points? He would have been the all time scoring leader. Yeah. Yeah. A record that he would have easily, they had to play one more game, I think. Yeah. They were. Yeah. Which is brutal for him because he really did deserve it. You know, he's, like I said, for my money, the best player in Penn State basketball, men's basketball history, excuse me. Um, but, like, he, he didn't make the NCAA tournament at the end of the day. You know, and, you and didn't win a Big Ten title. Do you really want to commemorate the nine years of bust with the one year of boom? Pretty much, right? That's what uh, that's what know, that would be doing, right? Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I, I think, like... You don't see. You don't see. It was. It was a a rough tenure. The NIT was a good a good win, but again, that team wasn't that good that year. They they went on a run late and, and started winning a bunch of games. There's a banner for that. Yeah, and there's a right because they won the NIT. Yeah, yeah, and, and like, you and know, that's a big deal. I don't think people like no, respect. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I think the casual fan doesn't respect that win in that tur- that tournament is not some like small little yeah, consolation it's, prize it's it there's a lot of good conference champions from non-power five schools there's a lot of good power five schools um maybe it's a little watered down now because more guys opt out and stuff like that but like when they won it that was a big deal and that mattered and uh it, it was a it was a job well done by the entire roster you know they were a good team um i just like I, I can't put I can't remember my head around like commemorating a team that like should have done something. It sucks. It really does for all of those guys involved, for everyone involved with the program that they didn't do it. But it didn't happen. So like, what are you commemorating? Something that you thought was going to happen? Come on, what are we doing? Well, let's move on to a team that is actually national champions. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Most of the time, actually. In a team that probably deserves more than just a banner in uh you know in rec hall uh penn state wrestling they are about to match up with number two iowa iowa this is this is not just a wrestling matchup this is like a cultural in the wrestling world very much a cultural like contrast in styles um yeah i you know as someone who's been around wrestling since i was younger a lot of my friends wrestled in high school and everything and uh, this is this is one of the biggest Penn State duels I think in a few years, right? Number one against number two um, at Carver Hawkeye uh, in in Iowa City. Uh, a lot of number one ranked guys, a lot of number two ranked guys, a lot of top five ranked guys, a lot of top ten ranked guys. I think there is only one wrestler 
set to set to uh, take part in the duel that isn't ranked, and that's whoever goes at 157 for Penn State. Uh, I need a Terrell, Terrell Bearclaw uh, or Tony Negrone. So, like, I mean, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of good wrestlers and a lot of good wrestling, and I think it's going to be highly, highly contested. Um, and this is going to be truly a preview for the tournament. Yeah, and, and the Big Ten tournament and, and the NCAA uh, wrestling championships, you know, Penn State generally has done better in tournament uh, tournaments in the past than Iowa, and, and that goes back to what you said about like the cultural aspect of it and the wrestling styles, right? Like Penn State is a lot of like, I mean, you can see it in the way Kyle Sanderson talks and the way his wrestlers talk. Like they're having fun, they're trying to score bonus points, they're trying to enjoy themselves out there, they're trying to, you know, have a style and a flair to them in the way they win and like win big and like really dominate their opponents. Well. I was like, it's kind of like Iowa football, right? <laughs> like they're going out there to outscore the opponent. <laughs> don't care if they don't care if it's two to one. They don't care if it's one to zero. Uh, they are willing to. They they want to get the win. So, you know that bodes well for Penn State in tournament settings. So even if they were to lose this duel tomorrow night, Friday night at Carver Hawkeye, I think like they're in, they're in good shape for for NCAA's and for the Big Ten. Um, especially now that Spencer Lee is done for the year for Iowa at 125 pounds, takes away a national championship. Uh, a probable national champion uh, for them. Honestly, he was ridiculously good uh, and has been basically his whole life back to when he was in high school. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, this is going to come down to the wire. It's going to tell us a lot about a lot of things, but I also think we can't let it be the, uh, uh, the end all be all for it because I remember in the big 10 championships last year, Carter Starachi at 174 pounds lost to Michael Kemmerer from Iowa uh, for the Big Ten title, lost 7-2, to and then came back and beat him in sudden victory in the NCAAs. So he loses the Big Ten title but ends up winning the national title. Um, and that happens a lot in wrestling, right? Like, especially when it's as close as it is with a lot of these guys. So to me, it's like, listen, we should hype this up, right? Like, this is going to be fun. It's a big duel. But I think it's a data point when it comes to a larger season perspective. It's an important data point, right, for a lot of these guys. Uh, and, uh, I think especially for Penn state to prove that, like, you know, for, for Starachi, for instance, to prove it wasn't a fluke, uh, for Brady Berge to prove that he's, he's back at 165 after re- he's wrestled three times for Penn state so far this year, had retired at the end of last year, but decided to leave South Dakota state where he was coaching and come back, um, taking on Alex Marinelli, who is number five right now, according to Intermat at 165, who is good, right? Like is his first, like it's going to be a major test for him. Um, he already beat uh, Cameron Amin from from Michigan, which was a, a good initial test. Now this is sort of the next level of that. Um, I don't think a loss means, you know, he's not going to be anything at nationals, but I think a win could could prove okay, he's a threat at 165 in a way that maybe you wouldn't have expected him to be uh, when he first announced the news. In a way that we definitely, when I say we, I mean a lot of people that sort of have analyzed it didn't expect Penn State to have at 165 this year. Because that was a major hole, 157 was a major hole, and 125 was a major hole, and 125 and 165 have seemingly been filled to this point. For those people who are Penn State fans but maybe have never really gotten into wrestling, I'd say, like, I'm from the West Coast. We we just don't dabble in wrestling <laughs> like Central Pennsylvania dabbles in wrestling. Yeah, I'm from Central Pennsylvania, as those, a lot of those uh, listeners know. Yeah, and like I, f- I have found a lot of enjoyment in in watching these these bouts. Someone, you know, someone new coming into this. What is something that they, or even just like returning people? What are some top things that people can look for in this and get excited about? 
Yeah, I think, you know, uh, one, uh, so 141 pounds is going to be really, really interesting. It's number one, Nick Lee against number two, Jaden Ironman. Jaden Ironman, who I think turns 26 this year. Nick Lee, who turns 24 this year, I believe. Wrestler, wrestlers are old, right? Like, you got a lot of red shirts at your disposal. Uh, but Ironman is even up there for even a wrestler's age, right? Like, he is uh, same age I am. Uh, and he is still wrestling. Uh, but he is, it, it shows, right? Like, he's big, physical, strong. Um, those two have been in, were in hotly contested matchups last year. Nick Lee won the national title. This year started differently for both of them. Uh, you can read a lot about this, too. We did a, Lauren Muthler and I, our, our former sports editor, uh, you know, she freelanced for us a little bit and her and I did a, a sort of an analysis story breaking down every bout. You can find that at senderdaily.com, of course. Uh, we tweeted it out as well. Um, but as she noted, like Ironman, his start to this year hasn't gone as you'd probably want. Uh, he's been down in a lot of matches. He's come back to win them, but he's been down. Um, Nick Lee has been dominant. I think he's gotten bonus points in seven of his 10 bouts this year. And listen, if you get down to Nick Lee, it's going to be a lot tougher to come back than it is most wrestlers, right? So I think Jaden Ironman has to go into that knowing he can't afford to go down early because Nick Lee will score and he will score a lot. Um, so I think that's really interesting at 141 pounds. 149 pounds, Bo Bartlett's there for Penn State right now. He probably should be at 141 pounds. He's a little undersized, but I mean, he's not displacing Nick Lee. So, so he's going to stay at 149 uh, because he's the 149-pounder that gives Penn State its best chance right now. Going up against number 10, Max Murin. Uh, Murin should win that matchup. Size advantage, uh, frankly, has been better this year than Bartlett. But Bartlett looked really good against Michigan. It was six seconds of looking good, right? Like, unfortunately, the the Michigan wrestler, I believe it was Cole Matten, uh, you know, looked like he turned his ankle uh, and, and, and was immediately injured. But Bartlett quickly shot in for a takedown that caused that and um, caused that unfortunate injury. But, you know, if he's that kind of aggressive and if he if he can come out early and score early, I think he's got a chance to get an upset there. Um, you know, I, like I said, Starachi and Kemmer at 174 is going to be something a lot of people have their eyes on. Uh, you know, 197 with Max Dean and Jacob Warner, Max Dean transferring in from Cornell this year for Penn State. Uh, got upset by Cameron Caffey of Michigan State uh, in their most recent duel on Sunday. Uh, going to need to bounce back because Jacob Warner can beat him and will beat him if he if he doesn't sort of meet the level. Um, that might be the kind of the kind of match that's first takedown wins, right? Because it'll be the last one. Uh, and then, of course, at heavyweight, like I love watching heavyweights that are really athletic. And Greg Kirkfleet for Penn State is an unbelievable athlete. Looks like a totally totally different wrestler from last year. He is. I have no idea what the actual weight difference is. He looks thirty pounds heavier. Uh, those who don't know, heavyweight's two hundred eighty five pounds max. I would guess he's like two thirty five, two forty five now. I would, I would guess he was nowhere near that last year with the way he just – the appearance of it. He looks like he's handling it well too. He's carrying the weight really well. Looks really fast. Looks really athletic. Upset, number two Mason – number two at the time, I should say, Mason Paris of Michigan who, you know, at, at heavyweight it's generally Gable Stevenson and Mason Paris. And really it's Gable Stevenson by himself and then Mason Paris by himself and then everyone else. Kirk Fleet, you know, sort of broke through that door. Uh, and has shown that he can easily get second. And honestly, who knows if he could beat Stevenson? I would have my doubts, but still, like second against him and or getting a, a silver at nationals would be an excellent outcome, given that you know the top guy is an all timer, like one of the all time greats in the sport in, in Stevenson uh, at Minnesota. So, uh, but he's going up against Tony Cassiope, who's number five right now at heavyweight, uh, trimmed down a little bit from last year, but you know uh, is someone that if Kirk Fleet really wants to 
elevate himself to that tier, someone that he really should beat. Um, you know, and all of the other bouts are going to be great too, right? Like 157 might be the only one where it's, you know, it, it's not the, it doesn't have the level of anticipation that the others do, but the the guy who should win, Caleb Young, for, for Iowa isn't a high score, isn't going to get a ton of takedowns. That being said, I predicted that he would win by major decision just because I don't think Penn State has it at 57. But he is sort of his pace and his aggressiveness could allow, lack of aggressiveness, I should say, could allow Terrell Barraclaw or Tony Negron, whoever goes for Penn State, to be in it. And if if they somehow win that match, the duel is pretty much over. Yeah, that's not true. And literally every of these matches is a coin flip outside of that one and, and 184 pounds, I would say, between uh, Aaron Brooks and Abasad. But like, which should be a win for Penn State, potential bonus points for Aaron Brooks. But who is the number one wrestler in the country at 184 and the prohibitive favorite to win another national title? But it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It is like, like you said, the contrast in styles is so interesting because you get you have wrestlers that are really pushing the pace at Penn State, really trying to score, and guys who are just sort of what's the word? Patient uh, with Iowa. Yeah. Yes, tactical patient with Iowa. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lions Lair. My name is Noah Rife. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Rife. John, tell tell the people where they can find you because we need to hear more from you always well, I, I maybe would, not always i think a lot of people would argue <laughs> against that uh you can find me on twitter at john sauber j-o-n-s-a-u-b-e-r you can find all of my work at centerdaily.com and C- what's the c-e-n-t-r-e yeah. for center and centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast to subscribe there it is it's a digital only sports subscription for a discounted rate um you can find all of my work there you can find all of kyle andrew's work as well covering preps uh you know he's done an excellent job there uh, and you can find us, of course, this podcast, wherever you already found us. And make you can, sure, you make know, sure to you, rate yeah, of course. and review. We rate need and review, it. subscribe, uh, download, all that fun stuff. And share it to your grandma. Yeah, share it with everybody. Your dad. Share it with friends. Cousin Jimmy, Yeah, potentially. He deserves it. He you deserves know? to hear this podcast. And if you're not subscribed, I said something like this last time, but like, you never want to be the person who is giving the worst takes. Like, John may have some bad takes on this podcast, <laughs> but his analysis is incredibly good. And... Same goes for, you know, high school around here with Kyle's work. But get that subscription, get online, get reading, check out these bouts because you're going to want to, you're going to want to know what's going on. We'll see y'all next week. Have a great one. Peace.